Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Sports Plus Podcast. I'm Corey Miller here today with Frank Cusimano and Andy Muller. We're going to switch things up a little bit with our first topic this week. We don't normally talk a whole lot of NFL, but we got to talk NFL because that's all anybody can talk about after a dramatic week 18 in the league. First, we got to talk about the game that just wouldn't end, Raiders and Chargers. And they and not only did it almost not end, it almost didn't have a winner. Andy, you've seen quite a lot of football in your day. Uh, where do you think that one ranks? Um, I, you know, I, it's got to be near the top because not only are you talking about, uh, you know, it's a win and win to get in, but then dragged on more and more talk was about, well, the team should tie. And then they, you know, I'm like, when have you ever heard that before? <laughs> I was, yeah, rooting, I, I mean, I, I think most of America was rooting for a tie. I know I was. <laughs> Yeah, keep the Steelers out. We've seen enough of them. I don't know what would have happened if the Chargers didn't call timeout. The bottom line is all the Chargers had to do was play a little better defense on Josh Jacobs and not get him, you know, had that 10-yard burst, which gave them a a real reasonable field goal. But it is interesting. Uh, There's, you know, there's a percentage of people out there, and we'll never know really the answer, that if they don't call that timeout, maybe – that the, the Raiders just, you know, run out the clock. It really looked like oh. the flow of the game was going to, they were just going to, I mean, they were going to run it no matter what. And like you said, the Chargers had to stop them. But the flow of the game looked like they were just content to lollygag it and run a, a play that they weren't really interested in. It would have right, been over. Right. But... <laughs> yeah, they were in no two-minute drill or anything like that. It was definitely one of the wildest ones I've I've ever seen. And, put you guys on pretty late for sports plus, but we got a good football game out of it. So uh, we'll, well take it. Uh, go ahead. Hold Frank. on though. We did go on before midnight. So I didn't get to say good morning and welcome to sports plus. It was like 20 seconds before. <laughs> Another great game yesterday was Rams and 49ers. It looked like a home game for the Niners. They get the comeback win, but let's talk about the Rams, Frank. Is there really an above 50 Oh, not on the percentage on it, but how likely is it we're going to have to watch Stan Kroenke lift the Lombardi Trophy? Oh, I don't think that's happening. I mean, let's face it. Their, their quarterback is a fellow by the name of Matthew Stafford, who I don't know if he's won a significant game since high school. So, look, he's a very talented player, and he's a nice quarterback, but to win championships, you need the Rodgers and the, and the Bradys of the world and the Mahomeses that make big plays at the most important time. And the second half of this season, even though his stats are glitzy, he he is not Mr. Clutch. And I'd agree with that. that. First round is, is going to be fun. Andy, go ahead. No, I, I would agree with what Frank said. And not only that, but, the you know, the Rams are, you know, they use their draft picks as collateral for all these superstars. Well, the superstars don't have any playoff experience certainly have to add that this time of year so and i gotta tell you too andy i don't know how you feel but i'm wondering you know like i thought green bay was really the team to beat but the more and more i watch green bay defend the run i think that if they were to run into some great ground attack say if leonard fournette got back with the buccaneers I, I don't think Green Bay is a lock to get there either simply because they defend the run. And I find this really interesting because I would have thought, you know, a couple of weeks ago that the Packers were the team and nobody's going to stop them. 
I don't know. I don't know that right now with the way they defend the run. I, I, I don't disagree with you. And what better way to keep Rodgers and Devontae Adams off the field than to have a great running game and chew up time off the clock with long drives? Yeah. Are you guys with me that this is the most fascinating NFL season you can remember? I mean, I'm, I can't get enough of it. And next week it starts at 3.30 on Saturday and ends at 10 o'clock on Monday night. It, it can't get any better. I do hate to admit it, uh, but yeah, I've I've been pretty glued to to football the last few weeks because this year, more than any, anybody could win. I think in in football more than more so than baseball or hockey, uh, the better team is usually going to win in football. But this year, I have no idea who the better team is. So it, yeah. it it really creates an intrigue that I don't remember having for quite a while. Yeah, certainly COVID is a wild card in all this, which. You know, besides last year, they've never had to deal with any sort of, okay, who's playing? Oh, well, we got 24 hours before the game. Things could still change. But you're right. There are so many possibilities of, you know, I, this is certainly a year where a team's going to get hot and they're going to, you know, they're going to end up winning that we probably didn't have any idea they were going to win. Well, how about like a team like the 49ers with that interesting ground attack, the way they play defense, and say what you will about Garoppolo, that's a guy you want in the fourth quarter. I mean, the 49ers barely get in, and it wouldn't surprise me if they made a great run. And what about the Eagles? You know, they play, they play a style unlike what anybody else is doing in the league. And if you're not playing a team like that regularly, defense isn't necessarily prepared for it. So they can rise up and steal a couple of games. I, uh, I wouldn't hate to see... Uh... Joe Burrow, MVP of the Cusimano Stallions. Congrats, Frank, by the way, on your, your league victory uh, in, the, in the Bengals make a nice run. They're, they're a fun Don't team. Don't pander to Frank. Things. Don't pander to Frank. Come on. <laughs> Just because I finally get to hold that Lombardi trophy that Moeller uh, held up a few years ago, it's, you know, it felt great. And then I will say this. Andy was the first one to congratulate me, and he, he did it in kind of an arrogant way. He said, welcome to the club, young man. Um, I think I was misquoted. <laughs> I'm joking. Let's uh, let's talk some blues now. Two more big names headed the COVID list on Monday: Braden Shen and Colton Pareko. Uh, Frank, we're almost at the entire team on the COVID list so far this year. I think we're at, gosh, 19 or 20, but it doesn't seem to matter. They just keep winning. Yeah, it doesn't, and also, it doesn't seem to matter if you got COVID before either, and if you've been vaxxed before because you could get it again. So, uh, but yeah, they are a machine. I think that just strictly from an offensive point of view, this team, and I don't know how you guys feel, I'd like to get your reaction. This team has more depth and is more explosive offensively than the team that won it. Oh yeah, I, I think agree for with sure. Uh, through every line, well, especially line combinations don't even matter anymore, it doesn't seem like. Ruby just sticks guys together and they know how to play together and you can get offense from, from any line, it seems like. Andy, speaking of Baruby, uh, he's done a fantastic job this year, and so is Doug Armstrong. Who do you, I mean, the credit goes to both these guys, but where do you think uh, who gets the most credit for assembling this deep of a roster and coaching them on the ice to, to stay competitive after all the adversity they've faced? Well, I don't – you know, I, I think – I hate to play it down the middle, but as good as Doug Armstrong has been as far as accumulating talent and – Let's face it, they've got a lot of depth. 
But um, I think the Jack Adams trophy for coach of the year is going to come down to who handles their roster better because of COVID. And who's done a better job at, you know, navigating and juggling the players that he has from one minute to the next than Craig Berube. I don't know if that anybody has. Yep. He's going to get, I'll go ahead. He's going to get paid in the Escalade very shortly too. He's going to get a big (laughs) fat contract. You know what I would do if I was his agent? I'd wait till like one more, like six game win streak and then say, okay, Doug, let's talk. (laughs) Yeah. And what is Doug doing waiting? (laughs) The price is just going to go up. You're right. Yeah. You mentioned the 2019, 2019 team a little bit ago. It's hard not to get some special vibes from, from these guys right now. There's still a couple teams better than them in the West, of course, but it, it just seems like there's something brewing around this team. Yeah, I think the only difference is you don't have like a Petrangelo or a Bomeister back there. You're, you're still not 100% certain from a defensive point of view if you have that rock steady defensively oriented defenseman, but there, it's, it's pretty tough to find a flaw with this squad. The only thing I would say is that it's a, we're a long way from April and God knows what could happen between now and then. So, but right now they, they are as good as anybody. Be interesting to see who they might dangle out there to try and get a shutdown defenseman because there have been games where it's, it's shown that, that is, uh, that's definitely needed. This past week on Sports Plus, Frank welcomed former Rams head coach Dick Vermeil. They talked about Dennis Quaid's portrayal of Vermeil in the Kurt Warner movie American Underdog, the impending Hall of Fame vote. Could Tory Holt join coach in Canton this year? And if the greatest show on turf is the best offense in the NFL history. Here's Frank's conversation with Coach Vermeil. Well, Coach, did you ever think when you were coaching at Hillsdale High School that one day that you would be on the big screen not once but twice portrayed by Greg Kinnear and Dennis Quaid. No, I would have never, ever, ever guessed that in any way. It's amazing. And I've seen both movies. In fact, I've seen Kurt's new one, uh, American Underdog, three different times hosting it in three different states. And what did you think of the movie? I enjoyed it. You know, it's more than a football story, Frank. It's more about a life story, a life struggle, a life... uh, uh, of perseverance and faith and relationships and struggles. And, and I think a lot of people are going to be able to identify with the movie. Uh, they're going to relate to stories in their lives where they fought through a struggle and ended up being successful or gave up and didn't keep doing it, wish they had. No, I, I think, and the great part, I, the best part for me was when they started showing real, uh, you know, St. Louis Ram video at the end of the movie. That really stimulated me. But overall, I'd say I gave it a, an A. You know, a lot of people think the best scene in the whole movie was you telling Kurt out on the deck that he's the guy. It was really a warm moment. Well, you know, I liked it. Uh, you know, the best part for me, actually, a couple of times within the movie, they used conversation that I actually used. And I gave them those conversations in an interview prior to the start of the production of the movie. So I was pleased they had uh, listened to me a little bit in regard to doing what actually happened, it made me feel good. And I think Kurt uh, felt good about it as well. The Mike March character was pretty harsh, probably accurate at the time. Did Uh, you guys intentionally play that good cop, bad cop, or was it just your personalities? No, Mike was not like that at all. You know, Mike coached him tough, but not mean. 
uh, not negative. No, I, I, I never saw an example of that the whole year that I worked with. I knew he was tough on them, but I wanted to be. We were tough on everybody in building that program, not just the quarterbacks. But no, I, I, so I thought they were a little unfair with that uh, way they played him. Coach, as you probably know, we're not big fans of the Los Angeles Rams because they left us. I'm wondering, did you pay any attention at all to the lawsuit and the fact that the city of St. Louis is going to get $790 million? Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, money is one thing, but it won't bring back the atmosphere, the spirit, the esprit de corps, the business booms around the stadium on weekends. It won't bring the excitement like say like the Cardinals do every year, you know, it's money cannot replace that unless it brings a team with it, you know? So I'm glad they got the money, but I don't know how much or how much the fans, the ex Ram fans are going to get to enjoy any one of those dollars. Describe a perfect typical Sunday for Dick Vermeil. Sunday morning, bacon and eggs. Okay. Okay, whole wheat toast. One o'clock, local game, normally the Eagle game. Four o'clock, the second game, I choose which one. I have the dish, which one I want to watch. And if I have two or three former assistants coaching somewhere, I'll bounce in between those games. Five o'clock, I'll open a bottle of wine and finish that game. Barbecue in between the second game and the third game, watch 60 minutes, then go into the third game, finish that bottle of wine and fall asleep before the end of the third game. Okay. <laughs> Coach, you tell me every year you do not think about the Hall of Fame, but on February 10th, they're going to announce the new class. And I've talked with quite a few voters and things look extremely good for you. Uh, your emotions on this now? Well, first off, if they do put a coach in, it's me. Okay. If they don't put in a coach, which they have many years not put in a coach, it's, then it's not me. But anyway, I'm extremely grateful, Frank, extremely grateful for all the wonderful management teams that supported me, coaching staffs, uh, and players. I, I, there's 27 or 28 other NFL coaches in the Hall of Fame as we speak. I don't think any one of them needed as much help to get there as I did if I do get there. I mean, just amazing. You know, when I coached so much differently the second two teams than I did the first team with the Philadelphia Eagles when I did everything on my own with the 10-man coaching staff, ran my own offense, coached my own quarterbacks, called my own plays, programmed all the practices, did all those things. And uh, I couldn't do that when I came back. I was a different guy. It was more fun to be able to do it all, but I knew what I couldn't do when I came back. But if I make it, I'm going to be extremely humble and extremely grateful. And I don't say that just as a matter of cliche. I'm very, very sincere when I say that. So your wide receiver, Tory Holt, is a finalist again. Some very good wide receivers are on the list, like Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne. What about Tory? It's time. He's been in the finals. What, now this is his third time or fourth time? It is time to not pass him up. I, if I go in, I'd love to have him covering for me and catching passes downfield on the same stage, believe me, because he is one of the main reasons I'm nominated. I'm a finalist because of Kurt Warner, because of, without those guys, I'm not a Super Bowl winning coach. Without Mike Marks, Al Sonner, Jim, and I'm not a Super Bowl winning coach. It takes an unbelievable strong group to lift a seven and a half pound 
Lombardi Trophy, seven and a half pounds, and it takes an entire organization and a lot of wonderful people to lift, lift it. And I was so fortunate in my career to be surrounded by those kind of people. If Tory gets in, that would be five on offense. Best offense ever assembled? It has to be considered one of the best. You know, you know, Adam Timmerman made the Pro Bowl that year too, you know. And Mike Rudadori was never gets any credit, but he was a great offensive center. Just a great offensive center. Like Todd Light was in the Pro Bowl. You know, DeMarco Fire was in the Pro Bowl. You know, all these kind of things. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it takes an entire organization. But believe me, I don't know of another offense off the top of my head that will end up having five Hall of Fame players on the same side of the line of scrimmage. I don't know. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't know. I haven't evaluated that. But one reason we were the greatest show on the turf, because we had those five guys. Without those, without those five guys, no matter how smart any of us are as coaches, we aren't as smart or are not, don't appear to be as smart as we were then. The only thing you enjoyed more than winning was your relationships with players. I saw yeah. Mike Jones the other day, and he says that you guys still talk every couple of weeks, and it's not so much about football, it's about life. You, have, you probably make tons of phone calls every week. I do. I communicate with my guys. You can't communicate with all of them. To me, coaching was always relationship building. And the better relationship you had with people, the, the better the contribution they made to you and the better contribution I could make to them. Because you trusted each other and you, you, didn't, you didn't pull any punches. You didn't hide anything. You gave everything you had to give for each other for no selfish reason. Finally, what would you want somebody to say about your life in football? I would like him to say that he really appreciated and cared about his players, regardless of first string, all pro, third string, or backup. He really cared about his players. That will do it for this week's episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.